welcome to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. I'm Andy Barr, owner of Barr Transportation. We're so glad you joined us today. Now, our mission here is very simple at Barr Transportation. It's to provide you with the most reliable and honest national transportation for your goods, paired with proactive communication throughout the entire life of the load. Now, this podcast is designed exactly for you. It's for sales managers, produce managers, logistics managers, traffic managers, the entire C-suite, anyone else who really wants to perform at the top of their game in this global food and beverage industry. So whether you're big or small, West Coast or East Coast, this podcast is meant for you. Now make sure to stick around at the end of each show and we'll reveal how you can apply to be on the show yourself so you can grow your authority, build partnerships, and help your business boom. Interviews are about 15 to 20 minutes long. And I'll leave you with my favorite quote, preparation plus opportunity equals success. That's it. I'll see you on the inside. Enjoy this episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Food and Beverage Leaders podcast. Today, we're joined with Charles from 80 Acres, and we're going to talk about a little cold chain, food safety, and uh, unique uh, opportunities to solve problems and solutions. So, uh, Charles, ha- happy Friday, and, and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Andy, th- thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on, excited to talk about uh, cold chain, and, and specifically, um, you know, see if we can uncover some solutions for us. We, have, we certainly have some, some opportunity and some problems to resolve on, on our end at 80 Acres Farms, but thanks for having me. I'm excited. Um, cold chain's a passion, just general transportation, uh, you know, we're here to improve. Awesome. Awesome. So as we look at the space as a whole, you know, food safety, the Food Safety Modernization Act, you know, making sure that the product is not only produced safe, but also stored in a, in a sanitary way, transported in a sanitary and safe way, uh, temperature fluctuations, and then, of course, delivered, unpacked, and then, um, you know, to your table as a consumer, you know, lots of things to consider. So at, at a high level, you know, when you, when you think of cold chain and produce, what comes to mind first? So at a high level, when I think of cold chain and produce, it, 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 what it means is just integrity. Uh, meaning when, when your product gets out the door, it's picked, it's harvested, it immediately goes through the decomposition process. We're, we're all very familiar with that. We've all bitten into an apple that's, that's a little bit past its prime. We've eaten a, a, a piece of lettuce that's soggy. We've, uh, you know, you, you name the produce and it has a specific characteristic to it that is directly the result of either an elongation of time that, again, out of its comfort zone or just every once in a while, a consistent fluctuation in how it's handled within its cold chain environment. So at a high level, produce is, is so incredibly sensitive to fluctuation, to cha- changes in temperature, and even down to the details, to changes in humidity the changes in airflow, the changes in, in just general environmental characteristics of, what, of, the, of the space that it lives in. Um, so it's, it's a very susceptible, very sensitive product, um, uh, you know, generalization across the, across the produce category, but uh, in general, it's a very susceptible. Um, now, over the years, we've, we've gotten really good at, uh, as, an, as an industry um, and as, a, as produce, uh, producers, we've gotten really good at finding the right products that aren't as susceptible and aren't as sensitive to, to these fluctuations in, in, in temperatures, to this, you know, the bumpiness of the road, to the uh, open and, and closing of trailers and the potential uh, 
for for getting to close a trailer or things, exactly. things of that nature. So um, we, we uh, we've gotten good at it um, on a on a large massive scale. Um, you know, we cross the world with produce. We 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 import in, in the United States a, a good majority of our produce, believe it or not. You know, not not, not traditional stuff that is coming from California, of course, but in Florida and your, your southern states. But we we haven't been able to do that if we weren't very successful at transporting it. And that's and 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 there's no doubt about that that we've gotten very successful. Yeah, it, it's funny to look at. You know, you could be eating local. You know, strawberries from Tampa, Florida. If you live in Tampa. Or you could be eating strawberries from California, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, and there's a big push to support local farmers and things of that nature. And with, with transportation costs, you know, a lot of uh, farms and, and suppliers are looking to maybe get regionalized depending on, uh, you know, some of the uh, product types. For instance, I was talking to an onion producer, a very large one uh, on the, on this podcast, actually. And, you know, they produce their onions out West and, uh, you know, just the freight cost and the ability uh, to find uh, good capacity mm-hmm. is a challenge. And, you know, sure, you can put some some product, you know, on, on rail, right, refrigerated containers on rail and ship it by train. But, um, you know, a lot of times that doesn't work for just-in-time production and retailers right. that, want, that want it, you know, yesterday. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a balance. So right. man, strawberries, those are the types of things that, you know, if they're one degree off, sometimes that can, you know, believe it or not, spoil the load. Uh, you know, of course, ice cream minus 20. Um, sometimes you have fresh and frozen loads. So part of it's fresh, sometimes frozen and, you know, obviously right. making sure you have bulkheads in place. So multiple ways to do this um, with 80 acres specifically, you know, what, what type of products do you transport and, you know, do you have any sort of projects you're working on currently? Yeah. Andy, you, you just touched on a, quite a few things there uh, that are really relevant to us. The first thing being, being localized. Um, so, so the mission of 80 acres is to localize produce. It's the, the decommoditize uh, the produce world we live in right now and, uh, and, and bring it to the local environment that, that it used to be in, right? If you if you think about the history of produce and mm-hmm. and, and even even more uh, you know general the history of the market marketplace, everything that you know our great great grandparents um, bought was was local. Um, it was seasonal. It was gathered by at a, you know an orchard or a farm um, when in season and then brought to a, a, a you know a local market and and sold, right? And then and then we kind of yeah. we moved away from that and. And these grand marketplaces grew out of out of nowhere, um, and, and in doing so, you know they look for consistency, they look for commodities, they look for um, you know supply guarantees, and that's where you, you start producing a mass scale out in out in California and Florida and 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 you know the, the the southern areas of the of the Western Hemisphere. And in doing so, the only way that we were even enabled to do that was because we had this cold chain environment. Um, so. My point being, and bring this back to full circle here, is um, localized is becoming a much more important part of the of today's world because you know what you want to know where your product is coming from. You want to tangibly see and feel and and, and locate, you know, where that product was sourced um, and grown because nothing tastes better than your homegrown backyard uh, strawberry. So localized is is, is important. Um, it's actually the, the backbone of our of our mission here at, at 80, one of the backbones of our mission here at 80 acres um, 
So what we do is we grow vertically. Um, we grow our produce vertically in uh, indoor controlled environments um, in, a, in a farm near, near you in all reality. Um, right now we're in, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio um, with, with the vast majority of our farms. We actually have eight of them in, in total, but um, five of them are, are here in Cincinnati. Um, and, and we grow up instead of outwards. Um, and in doing so, we have the opportunity to actually localize our, our produce and, and tell you where it came from, show you where it came from, and, and so forth. Uh, and then you also touched on strawberries, and you asked, hey, are, are there any new projects? In, in the controlled environmental agriculture space, you're starting to see a lot of um, a focus on strawberries. And, and to be totally transparent here, this is kind of the init initiation of this conversation, Andy, is Strawberries are ultra sensitive to, to, to temperature Absolutely. Um, and finding a, a, you know, a right size piece of equipment to handle our strawberries, our lettuces, our salads, our tomatoes, our basils, our cucumbers is very difficult. Strawberries are, they don't go in the same temperatures as, as lettuces do, but when you're a local environment, when you're a local producer, you don't have the luxury of being able to send a full 53 footer straight into a DC and just have a single temperature requirement on it. You need multiple temperatures on there, or you need a smaller equipment to send it around. So um, yeah, we, we've got plenty of projects going on. You know, our entire mission is to uh, decommoditize it, to, to, you know, build upon the produce nutritional value that, that we see in the world and, uh, and pack them back to the, the, the state that we used to be in. I think they keep talking about strawberries here, but if you, if you, if you taste a strawberry, like a wild strawberry that you grew up, you know, your, your grandparents grew in their backyard uh -huh. and, and you bite into that thing. And that's the sweet, you know, nine bricks or something. I actually don't know what the, the wild strawberries bricks are. It's gotta be at least nine or 10. Um, and it's juicy and it's sweet and it's purely red throughout, but you don't really get that anymore uh, outside of the wild seasonal strawberries that you get every once in a while. And that's what we're trying to fix. We, we, we want to provide this very delicious, nutritious, um, pesticide-free, you know, amazing product of, of lettuce, of, of greens, of veggies, et cetera, year-round consistently and at a reasonable price. And, and that's really the mission that we're, we're trying to solve for here. Um, and to do that, we have to figure out how do, we, how do we transport it most effectively and how do we transport it uh, without killing the integrity of that produce. Yeah, so multiple things there, right? So less transportation time because of geography right. equals a fresher product and uh, less risk, less just, you know, transportation in general. But, you know, let's talk about cost of building vertical. Like, are you seeing that, okay, you know, just as a, an example, instead of building 100 acres horizontally, you build 10 acres vertically. Is the cost the same? Is the production uh, more is the is the cost more, but the production is more because let's say you can go year round and you know control the climate. You know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we have total control. Um, so the industry space that we live in is controlled environmental agriculture. We're the, we're the vertical end of it. The greenhouses are the, are the horizontal end of it. Um, we 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 produce sufficiently. Um, you know, as a traditional conventional farmer, we we. Uh, by definition, can produce 300x the amount you can produce in one square foot traditionally. Um, 80 acres is, uh, derives its name from their initial initial thoughts of how do we how do we how much can we actually produce? But we've actually learned that we can do even more than that, and it's continuously growing and growing and growing. So, so just from our pun intended, by the way, I like to use that the, the term <laughs> growing a lot. Uh, so just 
uh, just talking about production, we are we are at parity with with production from a from a year round standpoint um, of outdoor and, and conventional farming, uh, and and are just improving left and right. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty incredible to see these strides that we're making in this um, you know semi young organization and a semi young industry in general. Um, so yeah, just from from a cost perspective, yeah, we're 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 doing this at parity as well. Um, we are on the shelves at at your local grocer that next to uh, next to organic, we are next to your, for Kroger, it's called STO. So it's basically just the brand name, uh, the branded uh, local le or uh, lettuces and salads, et cetera. Um, so, you know, we're, we're doing it at cost. We, we've proven it. We're, we're, we're working to expand even further now. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's one of a kind, right? It's, it's controlling the environment, predicting the supply, predicting the demand, predicting your output. Um, and then ultimately getting getting it to this consumer, you know, anywhere from 24 hours to 48 hours since it's been picked, harvested, wow. and packed. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you think of a traditional 53-foot-long reefer loading up six picks up and down, literally it takes two days to load the truck. And mm -hmm. then even if, even if you have a team on it, it takes three days to ship it across the country. Right. That's driving 1,000 miles a day, two people. Otherwise, right. it's six days, right? So um, when you talk about, you know, local produce, obviously, you solve that that uh, fresh problem as far as growing it. But then mm -hmm. you touched on earlier, okay, well, lettuce, strawberries, cucumbers, all have different temperatures, blueberries. Right. So um, you can get special equipment, you can have it in-house, you can have it, you know, outsourced, you can... Uh, you know, multiple ways to look at solutions. What have you tried? What are you trying? And and how is that going? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's such a funny problem. It's, it's frankly ironic to me. So so I came from previous to 80 acres. I was I was in supply chain consulting, uh, uh, and really we focused on network design and um, and, and logistics in general. And, and the, the solutions tailored for these huge, you know, massive corporations are, 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 are scale, right? Go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. When I came here, you can't apply those same principles of thought to it. You have to be more creative. Um, so we had these textbook answers to, you know, corporation, corporate network design, corporate logistics design. Um, but when we come down here, we, we, have, we don't have the same problems. Our problems have been resolved by putting, by localizing where you grow. But now we've created this whole new world, this whole new problem set of what is the last mile and how did you last mile of produce? Um, and, and, and not just one singular crop of produce, right? This is multiple crops. We don't just grow leafies. We don't just grow tomatoes. We grow, uh, I don't know exactly right now. I think I'm sure we have 13 or 14 or 15 or probably more than that uh, <laughs> different varieties the crops that we grow and each requires a separate temperature setting, a separate humidity setting, a separate environmental control. Oof. And it's more, it's more important to these crops specifically because we didn't pick them from this, this catalog that says, Hey, here's the crops that, that best suit a five day transit. Now we, we, we opened up that catalog and said, we don't care about transit anymore. We want to get taste nutrition back into the consumer's hands. So now we have a million varietals that we, we choose from. We pick the best ones that, that check the boxes on nutrition and taste. And now we, we say, okay, we're going to go solve for logistics 
And now we're here. We are, Andy. We're solving for logistics. <laughs> you and me. Uh, right, right. But but the, the point being is, is is we have a new set of problems. That problem is we can't just say we value quality. We have to actually truly value quality and and the integrity of the environment of which we transit it. And because when it leaves, when it's inside of our our farms, it is. And I can assure you, it is hundred percent. 100% um, high integrity of quality. We are controlling every component inside of that farm because at the moment it, it, it goes out of its comfort zone, it starts degrade degrading. These crops are not necessarily designed, like they're not bred, they're not selected to, to um, yeah. withstand that. So um, lots of problems, lots of opportunity. Um, how, we've, how we've done it in, in, so far is we, we have our own equipment um, we have uh, we have smaller vehicles at the moment that have multiple temperature zones in them, um, and 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 that's how we we deliver them. We go so, uh, DSD, uh, which direct store delivery. A lot of people in the industry call it milk run, and I'm sure there's other terms that, that I just don't know about. Know about. Uh, and then we also go to go through DCs and some of the larger grocery stores out there where we will run 53 footers um, and have bulkheads installed and and an excessive amount of packaging to protect the product. Um, uh, but we know that's not sustainable. And we're not, we're frankly looking for sustainable options, both from a truly, you know, monetarily sustainable and, and actually environmentally sustainable uh, uh, position. So um, that's what we want to talk about. Yeah. So, you know, we, we got the production. Now we just got to fix the logistics to keep that fresh aspect. It sounds like using your own equipment's working pretty good. You got multiple temperature zones. Uh, why not just go with that same model as you expand from city to city? Yeah, that, so that's that's certainly an option. There's there's plenty of the benefits to that. Number one, uh, well, number one control, number two control. Uh, yeah, right. But, but that's not really that's not really our repertoire, right? We have we have a lot of passion in the growing side. We have a lot of passion in the manufacturing side of our products and the development, etc. Um, but we, we, we're really looking for help. We're lo lo looking for uh, continuously improving how we, how, we, how we build logistics. And, and quite frankly, it might be the way we ha handle this going forward, Andy. It, could, it very well could be, hey, let's just insource all this stuff, design equipment, um, and go forward. But you know, I, I, I want to challenge the, the, the industry out there because I don't think we're the last one to do this. Um, I don't think we're, we're not, we're, we are the first and well, we're the first among others of our, of our peers, but we're not going to be the last. And I think, I think as we see localized, um, uh, you know, the consumers saying, I want local, I want local and I want nutritious, I want nutritious. Uh, there's going to be other, other uh, companies out there that, that are going to say, Hey, how do I, how do I build a supply chain? How do I build the infrastructure um, to, to, to that, that's merit of uh, quality? And, and, and local. Um, so I, I think we can certainly do it ourselves and that might be an answer. Um, but I think there's also an opportunity for uh, the industry to come together and say, how do we fix this problem as well? Yeah. So, you know, if you are looking to outsource it, right, if you're saying it's not really in your passion, in your repertoire to, to really focus on logistics, then of course you look at, you know, owner operators, uh, they could be a standard 53 foot reefer, or it could be maybe a uh, refrigerated 26 foot truck or a right. refrigerated 17 foot truck um, or refrigerated sprinter van or something of that nature, depending on, you know, number of temperature zones needed and volume count uh, really just depends on your unique needs. 
But as we've discussed offline previously in the past is when you are outsourcing, right, it is on a very contractual basis. And, you know, um, even if you are working with a company regularly, right, uh, it, you're not going to get that same sort of commitment until you've actually sat down with them and been like, okay, will you, will you commit you know, maybe keep an extra driver on hand because we this product has to go out. Do um, you when it when it when when it's scheduled? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the outsourcing world is is all about the level of commitment you you show, and then uh, you hopefully receive that back, right? But n- no one will commit to anyone without a uh, a a proof of concepts, meaning a few loads. Just okay, this these are going well. But then also, uh, you know, satisfaction on both sides, and that's where a lot of shippers get into a pickle, is because they want this unbelievable service, but they haven't really committed to one option. They're kind of, uh, which it's fine. It takes time to decide which mm-hmm. option you want to go, and it's an investment yep. on time, money, energy, you know, people, all the all the above. So, it, yeah, it's just a. Um, it's just effort really, right? To, to right. sit down and, and make that plan. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and to be, you know, we, we've tried them and we're still in the, the vetting process here, Andy. We're, we're, we're using, uh, you know, a, a dedicated carrier now. We're using a lo- local delivery service where we've done, as I mentioned, uh, you know, our own, we have our own vehicles, our own equipment. Um, we've, we've, we've gone through the brokerages before, you know, we're really vetting the options and continuing to try to refine what could be our solution. But as, as each leaf is turned over, or I guess, yeah, that each leaf, each each piece of lettuce, if you will, uh, is turned <laughs> over, um, we, we keep looking at it and saying, I, I, I want I want better. And, and, and as every company should, by the way, it's, uh, and, and, and I think there's an opportunity out there to to design this infrastructure, uh, to design this, this this ability to um, deliver locally, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not suggesting that there's any there's any downfall or anything wrong with with how how the the you know, produce distribution is occurring currently. You know, you talked about onions. Onions aren't really going to be a thing that's easily hydroponically grown vertically yet. Um, and, and there's plenty of other produce out there. Produce is such a general massive category, right? Um, but the, the ones that we're dealing with right now, we do need you know, we do need a solution. Um, and, and um, uh, that's what I'm looking for. So, so as, as we move forward here, you know, and, and kind of take a peek at the future, what are those key indicators that you're looking for that will kind of transfer you from, this is what we're doing to, this is what we're going to do, or this is what we, we know we want. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I'll break it down just to four, four basic components. Um, and, and these aren't, they shouldn't be um, new to anyone out there. Uh, but, but number one is quality to me. Uh, I've, I've hyped on it way too many times already in this conversation. Um, I, I don't want produce. I don't want, uh, I, I can't, I, frankly, I can't have, it's not, a, it's not, I don't want it. We, we can't afford um, do, for our consumer's sake uh, to allow our produce to go out of our control zones. Um, so uh, quality is number one, but it's not just simply mechanical quality, right? It's not just simply that reefer unit not malfunctioning. It's also the, the care and the willingness of the, of the driver to make sure that, you know, when the product is pulled out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the vehicle, it's quickly and, 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 
you know, quickly and, and with care taken to its right location and then closed up and secured it immediately, right? It's, it's engagement on the end of, of the, the driver. It's engagement on the end of the organization that's, that's moving this product. Uh, no, number two is, is, is sustainability. Look, we're one of our biggest missions here is to eliminate um, the, the carbon footprint that a lot of the uh, a lot of the the legacy providers out there have uh, still work with and are still trying to eliminate themselves. But we're we're just have a we have a separate set of, uh, of 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 conditions that we're working with right now. We're we're localized, right? We're not going 2,500 miles from California to or central Salinas Valley, California to Cincinnati. Um, we're going 10 miles down the road maximum. Um, and and the intent behind that is so that we can we can do our part to save this world to save this environment. Um, you know, we are checking the boxes on the UN's uh, environmental needs uh, as best we can. Um, so sustainability is right up there in, in par with, with our mission. Um, so, we're, you know, we're not trying to, to, to drive laps around left and right um, and drive distances to deliver our, our what I consider perfect produce to, to our consumers. Um, third, third being cost. Um, again, you know, this is... This is uh, logistics. We're all trying to reduce our costs here because it is a it's 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 a process that at the end of uh, the end of the the, the lane, um, pun intended again. Um, now I, I think I think we we need to consider is looking at logistics and our logistics costs specifically as potentially value add, right? Not necessarily just a, a straight cost. Uh, we can differentiate ourselves, and I think I I think ADA is certainly differentiating itself um, from a cost perspective. Um, but we, we are still cost sensitive. Everyone should be cost sensitive. Um, and, and we all have to consider what our costs are um, because we can't just fill up a 53 footer with, with four pallets of, of salads and, and, and say, go, go do your thing. Um, so costs are of course important. Um, and, then, and then finally on-time delivery, uh, very important to us as well. Um, just to talk about the pro, I think most of your, most of your, your listeners or individuals on the podcast, Andy, are, are also, also, also very relevant to this. When we, if we miss a delivery, that's not necessarily just missing that delivery. That's that's missing consumers' sales. We live in the perishable world. Exactly. Where, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where where product is 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 not on shelf. The velocity moving through a marketplace is is um, is amazing because of the incredible efficiency of our marketplaces out there. Um, so every time we miss, every time we miss on a delivery or late on a delivery, um, that that hurts our consumers. That hurts our our customer. That hurts us. Just to recap, that was of course quality is number one, sustainability is number two, cost, and then and then uh, on-time delivery. And and while I put it in a sequence there, uh, and I, I I'll stick with that sequence. You know, it's very much interchangeable. Definitely, definitely, yes. Th- those four factors, you know, go into any well-oiled machine as far as a produce operation goes. Um, and you couldn't be more spot on with sales and missing deliveries. I mean that. You know, when you're when you're talking with with the drivers and things of that nature, of course, like things happen. A flat tire happens to things, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you know, being you know, I guess proactive in your communication. If there is an issue, you know, trying to move product from one cold source to the next, just to wait till the the reefer uh, arrives. You know, of course, no one likes to talk about delays, but you know, you just you just need to. Uh, have extreme proactive communication when that happens. So again, those sales aren't missed because that's obviously um, a big part of the business. So 
Yes. You know, Charles, great talk today. Uh, any closing thoughts? Let's say some listeners want to check out 80 Acres. Is there a phone number, website, email? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we're, we're happy to, oh, happy, happy to drive you to the website, of course, with uh, uh, 80 Acres Farms. So 80 Acres Farms with an S.com. Um, and then you can find us on, on all the social media platforms out there. Uh, again, at 80 Acres Farms. Uh, at 80, the, the whatever that thing is called, the at symbol, <laughs> oh. 80 Acres Farm, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all, all the fun stuff out there. And, and you know, just in general, we, we're, we're so incredibly passionate and so happy with what we're doing with the with with our produce. Um, and I, I just encourage, um, you know, if you have an opportunity to go to your local grocer and look for, preferably if you're around the 80 Acres area, which we're in, Indianapolis, Lexington, Louisville, Cincinnati, Columbus, Dayton, um, and, and the, sur the surrounding communities of that, you know, try, try out 80 acres. But, but in general, just try out a controlled environmental agricultural uh, product because uh, I, I do want to stress that it's, it, it tastes better. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's local, it's fantastic, and, and I, you know, I'm clearly very passionate about it, but um, we, we have a lot, a lot of opportunity in our hands and and, and a big responsibility too. Uh, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to stress that. Absolutely. Absolutely. There you have it folks. Try out 80 acres or your local uh, company, just support local, enjoy that fresh taste. And uh, Charles, best of luck with your, uh, I would say challenge for 2022. And I know you'll find some great solutions. Um, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you on the next one. So thanks again. All right, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. I'm Andy Barr with Bar Transportation. Now, if you are a successful leader in the food and beverage space, believe in your company, and want to share your story, really look no further. All you have to do is go to bartrans, B-A-H-R-T-R-A-N-S.com forward slash podcast forward slash apply to apply to be on the show. Lastly, if you enjoyed listening to our show, please consider sharing the link or a screenshot on your social media account. We want to help as many people as possible who truly believe education and discussion is where it all starts. Of course, if you know someone that would be a great guest, connect with us and we'll explore and see if it's a good fit. Again, thank you for listening to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. And as always, we'll leave you with our favorite quote, preparation plus opportunity equals success. Now go crush life, and we'll see you again soon.